Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. And from Europe, diamo il benvenuto ai membri della nostra famiglia italiana. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I want to take a look around the Italy Pavilion at Epcot and uh, show you around and explore and talk about some of the intricacies of the design and the architecture and some of the things you can see and do here at this pavilion. Now, don't forget to take a walk down closer to the water because there is a little bit to see down there as well. As always, I'll break this up and give you an overview, talk about the buildings, designs, and architecture, then move on to talk about the grounds, outdoor gardens, shops, and displays. I'll then head inside and talk about all the inside displays and shopping, Afterward, I'll tell you about the entertainment that you'll find, characters and kid stuff. And then I'll end with dining options and drinking around the world. And finally, I'll give you some details on what was planned for this pavilion originally. Now this is the final entry among the nine opening day pavilions at Epcot. I'll put a link in the show notes page to the other pavilions that I've already talked about. To start off with, when the Imagineers were considering Italy as a World Showcase pavilion, they had the rich landscape of Italy to choose from, both physically and metaphorically. The country is a peninsula that has mountains, waterways, cultural icons, and a whole lot more. It borders on southern Europe and extends into the Mediterranean as well as into the Adriatic, and is a short trip from the Baltic region, as well as from Greece. And honestly, it's not that far from North Africa, so you've got a country that covers a wide range of different topographical features. The land is diverse, and the history of the country is very rich, considering that the Roman Empire originated from there, and also the Vatican resides in there too, so there's a lot of things to choose from. But when they decided on putting the countries around the World Showcase Lagoon, the decision became much easier as to what to do and what area to represent. And what's the one place in Italy that everyone thinks about when they think water? That would be the City of Canals, Venice. Our World Showcase Pavilion is an homage to the culturally significant city that's been called La Damenonte, Serenissima, and Queen of the Adriatic, and City of Water, and City of Masks, and City of Bridges, the Floating City, and of course, the City of Canals. In actuality, the City of Venice is kind of like the Florida Keys in a way. The Keys are a series of islands that are connected by bridges and are also accessible by water. Venice is located just off the coast of mainland Italy. And it's really a series of 117 islands that are connected by bridges and a series of canals. Getting around by boat and foot is the easiest way to navigate the rather small, like half the size of Central Park small, area that's known as Venice. Now, each of the islands is known as a specific area. Many are named after heroes, patron saints, and historical figures. Disney's Italy Pavilion is modeled specifically after the area known as St. Mark's Square. The Imagineers duplicated it in size and scale, down to very, some very specific details, except for one, and it's kind of an important one. The plaza you see at the Italy Pavilion at Epcot is a mirror image of the original. The chief reason that it's the mirror image is because of the plot they selected. Being next to the American Adventure, they had a little problem. The Dodges Palace that we're going to discuss in a few minutes 
has a distinctive architecture to it, and its rear facade wouldn't fit in with the American adventure if you looked from that pavilion toward Italy. But the Sistine Chapel-style building has a more nondescript back that could fit in well if you were looking from the American adventure into Italy. So from that same point of view, it makes more sense to have that building on the right-hand side as you look into the pavilion. Now, while most of the style in the pavilion is Venetian, there are also elements from other cities in Italy that are shown as well. During construction, backers for the pavilion included Restaurant Alfredo, the original of Rome, as well as Brolio, Riscoli, and Bersano Wines of Italy. So let's get started talking about the grounds and gardens. So let's start by looking out toward the lagoon. The Imagineers created a space where you would enter St. Mark's Square from the canals. If you walk out and look down and around, you'll see that they have recreated a bridge and a dock where the boat can pull up to an island. There are stairs leading out and down, and there are gondolas sitting in the water in the space by the bridge, moored by the iconic poles that look like barbershop poles. It evokes the feeling of being at the city of Venice. Now as we turn back toward the pavilion, you'll see the town square. This is the area that generally looks like St. Mark's, albeit in reverse. In front of you are two columns, just as the real square has. The originals have an interesting history. During some conquests, many cities had treasures that were stolen and taken back to Italy. In fact, three columns were taken from Lebanon. The story goes that one was lost at sea on its trip back to Venice, but the other two made it there and were adorned with statues. Duplicates here in Epcot replicate that. The one on the left represents St. Mark, the patron saint for whom the plaza is named, and he's depicted as a winged lion. The one on the right is St. Theodore, the original patron saint of Venice. He's represented in human form slaying a dragon. By the way, St. Theodore, it is said, saved the city by slaying a water dragon terrorizing it. This dragon looks like a crocodile to me, so it's possible the Renaissance artists drew inspiration from a crocodile to represent the water dragon. St. Theodore was the first patron saint of Venice, but Italy wanted to detach itself from Roman rule in the east. So in about 828 AD, St. Mark became the patron saint of Venice. And then, to seal the deal as they say, two Venetian merchants stole the remains of St. Mark from a tomb in Alexandria, Egypt, and brought them back to Venice to make sure that he could be interred as the patron saint of Venice. As we look through the columns, on your left is the replica of the Dodge's Palace. A Dodge is essentially the equivalent of a duke, meaning that this was where royalty lived and worked, and so the magistrates could be found here. The Dodge's Palace is accurate down to the structures, the statues, the brickwork, and pretty much the details. Though it's a scaled model, it's fairly evocative of what St. Mark's looks like. It shows the craftsmanship of Venetian architecture with its decorative facade and openings along the walls. The detail on it is pretty astounding. While the Imagineers used fiberglass instead of marble, they did a meticulous job of capturing the details. From the brickwork, to the inset statues, to the columns with carvings, it is pretty remarkable when you stand there and look at it. Oh, and by the way, at the top of each column is a carving of a crowned person holding an orb. Except that on one column, the figure is holding a bowling ball. Gotta love sub subtle Imagineer humor. Straight back, the tall building is the Campanile, or bell tower. Again, this is a pretty exact replica of the original in most respects. Now, the original original tower was constructed in the 9th century and was used originally as a watchtower. Due to some earthquakes over the years, it collapsed and they created a replica in the late 1500s. The one in Epcot is a replica of that replacement, and that one that's currently standing in St. Mark's. The tower was then changed over to a bell tower con containing five bells. When each of them rang, they signified a different event. 
calling members to council meetings, executions, one at the beginning at the end of the day, one at midday, and gatherings of the Senate. Sitting atop the bell tower is the Archangel Gabriel. By the way, the tower you see here is a scaled-down version of the original, standing at about one-fifth scale. The statue of Gabriel atop the tower is just like the one in Venice covered in gold leaf. Since gold is literally indestructible, the statue will never have to be cleaned or refurbished. If you continue on to the back of the pavilion, look to your right just past where the Kidcot station is. You'll see another exact replica of the Gabriel statue. In the middle of the pavilion is a replica of the Palazzo Ducale, the town gathering spot. It's a circular area that's raised up from the rest of the land. Now the remaining buildings are not something you'd find in St. Mark's. The Fontana di Nettuno, or Neptune's Fountain, is reminiscent of Rome's Trevi Fountain, coupled with elements from Florentine sculpture that are mixed in there. Finally, the Il Bel Cristallo shop to the right is meant to resemble the exterior of the Sistine Chapel in Rome and would be 15th century architecture that's very different from what you would find in Venice. Be sure to look at the brickwork in Il Piazza beneath your feet. The beauty here is in the design and the architecture, rather than in the gardens. But that's not to say there is no greenery. The pavilion includes kumquat trees, olive trees, orange, lemon, and other trees you might find in the Mediterranean region, and which also flourish in Florida's weather. You'll also see some grapevines as well as several container gardens. It's more like a patio garden with blue, white, and pink hanging baskets that add color to the large buildings and garden walls. Flowering plants in authentic containers decorate the plaza. Now let's move on and talk about shopping. In the Sistine Chapel building is a shop called Enoteca Castella, or the Wine Crib. It's a wine cellar and sells Italian wines. In the, build, in the rear of this building is La Bottega Italiana, or the Italian shop. You'll find all manner of Italian souvenirs, and the Kidcot station is actually located in here as well. On the other side, in the Dodges Palace, is Il Bel Cristallo, the beautiful crystal, where you'll find leather goods, clothing, jewelry, and perfumes. In the back of the store is the shop La Gemma Elegante, or the Elegant Gem. It's got an unusual collection, such as Venetian masks, all made from paper mache. Now, La Machere de Venezia, the masks of Venice, are used to celebrate a carnival that began over 550 years ago, from February to March. The masks also were used to hide the identities of the persons, so social status would be on an even keel. In addition to the masks, they sell paper mache clocks and porcelain products, and everything is imported from Italy. Uh, in the rear is La Bottega Italiana, the Italian boutique shop. Here you'll find all kinds of sweets, cookies, pasta, olives, and almost everything else Italian, even clothing. In the back of the store you'll find Delizia Italiana has chocolates and other confections, and La Cucina Italiana has Italian cooking items that are very popular. Now let's move on and talk about other areas. As far as entertainment, musicians, clowns, and acting troops often appear in the piazza throughout the day. Sergio, an Italian juggler and comedian, appears most days. He's also known to pull out some mime tricks and get the park guests to participate in his act. You can look for him in the courtyard.
If you're looking for another kind of Italian entertainment, you can stay a little longer after Sergio and watch the Italian flag throwers. Their costumes are influenced from the Renaissance period, and the performers are accompanied by musicians. It's a very impressive display, and one you won't want to miss. Now, I have heard that they were discontinued in October, but I haven't heard any confirmation of that, though they don't appear on the schedule right now, so I don't know if it's permanent or not. Now, here's something most people don't know. In the Italy Pavilion, look for a couple of little red buttons located close to the fountains near the shops. If you push them, water sprays out from one of a handful locations nearby, but you won't know where the water is going to come from. It's kind of fun to play around a little bit. And one other thing worth mentioning, the Italy Pavilion is a frequent destination for Disney weddings, likely because of the space in the Palazzo and the area by the World Showcase Lagoon that can accommodate a fair number of guests with a terrific view of Spaceship Earth right across the lagoon. Italy does not currently have any regular character greetings. As mentioned before, the Kidcot Station is located in the back of the Sistine Chapel on your right. Now, some people enjoy sampling adult beverages from the countries around World Showcase. There is a donkey cart near the Palazzo that offers wines and spumani to go. The pizza window also serves a variety of adult beverages, including a delightful lemon-flavored drink called limoncello. Of course, both restaurants have a number of beverages to enjoy. But as you may know, Italy is one of the world's greatest producers of fine wines. In fact, Italians consume over twice as much wine per year as Americans. So it should be no surprise that there is a wine cellar called Tutto Gusto that offers wine by the bottle as well as sampling menus. You can try several varieties of wines to find the one that suits your tastes and take home a bottle or two. As far as restaurants, at Gelati, you can get so much more than gelato at this quick-service outdoor location. You'll want to try the gelato sandwich, which, which includes any of their flavors, squished between two large chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, it's pretty good. You can also get cannoli, tiramisu, wine, and gourmet coffee there. In Tutto Italia Ristorante, or Everything Italian, there's seating indoors and outdoors on the patio. Tutto is a great place for some old-world Italian cuisine. With an extensive wine selection, you can get traditional dishes that are also family-friendly. I would say that most Americans are familiar with Italian dishes in general, so there isn't anything that unusual about the menu. But the combination of flavors or some of the ingredients that they use may be a little exotic for some tastes. That said, the dishes are delicious and you'll undoubtedly find something you like. Inside, the restaurant utilizes the Florentine style of architecture. It has beautiful and ornate chandeliers, carpet, and eye-catching murals all around. These appear to be three-dimensional using a styling of art called trompe-l'oeil, which we've talked about in the French Pavilion. It's a French technique for deceiving the eye. The restaurant venue features the cuisine of master chef Joachim Spilacci. In addition to the elegant dining, there is a large and airy outdoor covered seating area that you can choose from. Via Napoli is the newest addition designed by the Florentine architects Stefano Nardini and Raffaele Melucci, which opened under the Patina Restaurant Group in 2010. It features Florentine architecture and authentic Neapolitan pizza, uh, Neapolitan cuisine. Marcelli flour, Marcelli flour and Caputo brand mozzarella are used exclusively, and both are imported from Italy. Now, the water used to make the pizza dough is imported from Pennsylvania to simulate authentic ne Neapolitan dough. As I mentioned before on this podcast, the flavor or mineral composition of the water is what makes doughs taste the way they do. And so getting the water that's closest in taste to Napoli is the key. Via Napoli's three wood-burning ovens pay tribute to the three active volcanoes in Italy, Etna, Vesuvio, and Stromboli. To do this, each of the three ovens are sculpted in the shape of a face of the god that their corresponding volcano is named after. 
The long communal table in the center of the room was built in Florence and features hand-painted tiles depicting iconic moments, uh, iconic monuments in Italy. Other notable features of Via Napoli are high and vaulted ceilings, imported ceramics and blown glass, and the abundance of windows that flood the establishment with natural light. There's also the Via Napoli pizza window, which is a counter-service location that lets you grab Italian favorites that we Americans have come to expect, like a slice of pizza and a meatball sub. But even though this location shares a name and a wall with the restaurant in the back, the pizza is not the same. It's good, but has a thicker, doughier crust, so it's a little bit different than what you'd get inside Via Napoli. Now let's go on and talk about what nearly was. The original plans for the pavilion called for two interesting showpieces, a gondola ride and a walkthrough of Roman ruins. These were both included in the original model for Epcot, so we get a sense of what they might have been like. The Roman ruins would have been an outdoor setting like the Colosseum, with the architecture and perhaps some sort of walking with similar architecture, with similar architecture and some sort of walking tour. The gondola ride was indoors, and the storyline remains a little bit of a mystery, but it likely would have been something of a mashup between It's a Small World, If You Had Wings, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Listen to the Land. Surely you would have navigated around Venice in a gondola while seeing parts of the city and being told a story about the city of Venice. But due to budget concerns, these two areas, like Germany's Rhine River Cruise and Japan's theater, never came to be. Instead, when it opened in 1982, they built a wall in the back of the pavilion where Via Napoli now sits. They planned to open these exhibits later and remove the wall. At one point in time, the idea did move along and was planned for Epcot's phase two. But as I've said on this podcast many times before, we're still waiting for that elusive phase two to get started. That could be any day now. L'Originale Alfredo di Roma Ristorante was the opening day restaurant in the Italy Pavilion. And by the way, it was the first Epcot World Showcase meal I ever had. The restaurant was rich in Florentine style, and Alfredo's was based on a famous Roman restaurant of the same name. The rumor is that the fettuccine Alfredo originated in the Roman version, so that was a mainstay, of, it was a mainstay dish in Epcot's version. Alfredo's provided some funding for the pavilion and had a, and had a 25-year deal to run the restaurant. But then on August 31st, 2007, they closed their doors and were replaced by Tutto Italiano. And that, my friends, ends the tour of Italy. Well, at least in Epcot. And that brings us to a conclusion on the nine opening day pavilions from 1982. There were two more added later, and much discussion about still more that were considered but never built. But we'll get around to those in future podcasts. And that is my look at the Italy Pavilion. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil, 
Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company.